Well, kia ora, everyone. It's Stephen Moe, and it's a real privilege to welcome you to the 200th episode of Seeds. Now, I thought it'd be fun to go through that enormous back catalog that there is now and pull out just a few of the voices and conversations that I've had over the last three years. And I do hope these little excerpts gives you a taste of a whole range of voices who you might want to go back and check out the full episodes for. I think the power of podcasting is that you get to hear the voice of the person talking about a story and it gives them a chance to reflect on what has shaped them. And for those reasons, I think podcasting is really powerful. Here's an example from the very first episode with Michelle Sharp, reflecting on what she had learned during her career. I think if I could do one thing differently, it was understanding the importance of vulnerability, because we would not be sitting where we're sitting now had I not been prepared to be vulnerable, because the risk of not making this happen was so large that I would never have gone there because right. I would be you know fearful of failure and letting everybody down mm. so I think if there's one thing I could do would be that is to understand the importance of vulnerability the stories that we've been able to hear have taken us back in time as well here's sister Mary Scanlon who was born in 1929 describing the first radio that their family got in the early 1930s and watching her father cry when World War II was announced this is from episode number 78 I was about five I think when we got our first Philco radio, and it stood about, I don't know what that is, about a metre or a sure. couple of metres on, on the floor, and it crackled a lot. My younger brother used to call it uh, uh, pooping. <laughs> Dad was like, don't talk like that. Right. <laughs> so this would have been, what, 1934 1934, or something, 35, or, something yeah. like that, yeah. Wow. So, so, you would, so is it right that you'd sort of gather around yeah. the radio to listen yes. to the shows this is and this things. this amazing thing. Yeah. And then I can remember my dad bursting into tears when the Second World War was, was um, okay. announced. Yeah. I just, just vaguely remember that. Now let's jump back to episode number five and speak with one of the youngest people who's been on the podcast. This is Shanna describing being 10 years old and in particular what it is that she thinks children wish that adults knew. Maybe just give kids um, more time with you what what do you mean by that like um if you're working 24 hours seven days a week non-stop mm. and you don't see your kid at all maybe you should just give them some more time like m- more of your time yeah just because sometimes that's really like a pit mm. yeah that mm. needs to be filled up with mm. some soil. What do you mean that that not having enough time with the mum or dad is like having a big hole? Yeah, it's like having a hole in your heart. And um, you can fill it up with some soil, like with um, your dad or with your mum or with your child. Yeah. Mm. Episode 18 was possibly one of the saddest ones that I've done to date because I was interviewing John Hammond. And we knew at the time of recording that he had inoperable brain cancer. And in fact, he passed away about two months after the recording. And it was a chance to reflect and record his life. In fact, one of his sons wrote to me after he'd passed and said how much he appreciated that the recording had been made while his father was still alive. So here he is describing the time that he first saw his future wife. And I just love to hear the life and energy in his voice that was captured in this recording. And it's honestly hard to imagine that he's no longer with us. When you saw your future wife, was that a quite an instant thing? Of for me, it was it? really, yeah. 
Absolutely. As in almost the love at first sight type of Absolutely. Wow. So you remember that moment? Absolutely. Tell us about it. I was at the University Ski Club uh, AGM, and I was sitting in uh, one of those big lecture theatres at the university, and she was down near the front, and the guy who was the president at the time, another good friend, uh, had stood up and said, if you don't know people and you want to meet people, then join the committee. Mm. And he said, just tap somebody on the shoulder if you don't know anybody and, and tell them. And I sat there thinking, well, yeah, I won't do that. Mm. But then at some stage, Erin, who is my wife, stood up and because she was being introduced. And I thought bloody hell, I want to get on this committee. So I tapped the guy on the shoulder in front of me and I said, this is my name, John Hammond, get me on this committee. I don't care what it is, wow. I'll do whatever they want. Gosh. <laughs> and so I was on the committee like that, but um, Amazing. it was over a year until she went out with me. Right. Mm. So there is some convincing to be done. There was a lot of convincing to be done. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful story. I don't though. think she noticed me for the first year. Right. You, you, you were on the committee together, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I've really enjoyed having guests reflect on their experiences, which are very different to anything that I've ever encountered. Here's Simon Bonyanshuti talking about fleeing the Rwandan genocide in 1994 back in episode number 61. So we had to leave our house when we left. That's kind of the last time. That's the last time we saw our house. Right. That's when we left. So, so what for, do you remember about that day? And um, It was pretty traumatic it was pretty um it's hard to explain because it was pretty intense it was pretty mm. like it's hard to tell someone until you in there was I can, yeah, yeah you know there was you running for life you seeing people yeah. dying you seeing um bullets passing through your head you're seeing um a lot of things so it was very hard but i was very fortunate that my parents were very strong and they were able to make crucial decision that made sh- that's why we're here because mm-hmm. they made those crucial decision mm-hmm. in the moment which saves their life right yeah mm-hmm. so, so it's not even a case of you've got five minutes no, go grab anything no, no. it's we're out of the we're, door we're out of the door uh-huh. and once we out we never come back so Mm. Yeah, so that was it. Mm. Episode number 83 was really special. I got the chance to speak with Carrie Bonner on changing perceptions around, quote, disability. Carrie has a unique perspective, and have a listen to her describing how she relates to other people. This person may not have had any experience of connecting with someone with a disability, mm-hmm. so... It's me who needs to take that first step. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Sure. Um, but yeah, people are more than what they present, sure. you know? Yeah. And I present as someone who uses a wheelchair, but that's actually just a small part of my life and yes it's a big part of my life because it affects every part yes um but it is this is one part i have other interests Mm. and i 
um, a work and I have been the influenced. Yes. Yeah. So jumping from that conversation with Carrie to a completely different topic with Osman Ahmed. And this was for episode number 108. And he was describing the attacks in Christchurch because he was one of the people in the mosque who was shot. So here's his memory of that happening. And in a few minutes later, I got shot at. I realized that I've got shot at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm feeling that a pressure, a breathless, mm-hmm. there's people on top of me. Because uh. the dead people was top on me already. Most has been shot at. Mm. No way to get out. No way to breathe. Mm. And uh, try to act like you are dead mm. because he was came to us on top of us and shoot people on head mm. most of the time mm. and uh, always i'm counting that i am one of the third person maybe second one or first one got shot at again back mm. the third time that he came to us on the mall uh, on the top of us and he he went outside there's no chance to to me to get up but he was too fast Mm. to grab things, other one again, and start shooting. Mm. The second time he gone out, that's the time he took a bit longer because he started shooting people outside. Mm. That's the time I got up. I found the window broken and I drilled and jumped from the, the wall. Yeah. Israel Cooper, in episode 112, provided a really fascinating story because his grandfather founded the cult Gloria Vale, so he described what that was like growing up there, leaving it, and what he does today. Here he is talking about his sense of purpose. And this episode has been listened to a lot, and I know it's really resonated with a lot of people. So if you haven't heard it, make sure you do go back and check it out. I think, again, I think that, that identity piece is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, who you are, uh, you know, why you are here, why you are alive, needs to be something deeper and more than just what you do or what you achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be something much more sort of intrinsic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and arriving clearly at this is who I am and this is my purpose that is outside some external measure of performance or success or even what society says. Um, that has to be the real starting place. Because I don't, again, that, that going back to the analogy of the building, that is your foundation. That's your cornerstone. That's the thing you're building everything else from and everything else is going to be measured against that. Mm. Now, how about the youngest voice that we've heard on Seeds? That was Isabel. And here's what she had to say in episode 99. What do you think would be good for adults to learn? To not do too much work. Mm-hmm. Like, what should they do instead of the work? Like have a holiday on on Monday and Friday. Oh, and okay. Have the weekend. So we'd have a long weekend yeah. every week. I think that's actually a pretty good idea. So I would work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. but then have Friday and Monday off. Yeah. How could we make that happen? Well, we could make it happen. Tell people you know um, that we should take Mondays and Fridays off too. Uh-huh. And then their friend, then they could tell their other friend that you don't know. And then they could tell their other friend that you don't, that he doesn't know. Right. So we'd spread the word that way. Yeah. Jumping across the continents, I really enjoyed Mark Ambundo's Kenyan perspective on life in New Zealand. Here's one of the observations he had about how different community is here compared to over there. 
And in particular, we talked about rubbish bins in episode number 10. The experience of community is different from what I'm used to. Uh, I'm used to going home and on the roads, children have come from school, they're playing outside and, and there's just a lot of human people around. In New Zealand, people, I just see cars and they see people in houses. In fact, the other day we were talking with my wife and saying, when it's time to collect the trash, we see the rubbish bins out. We don't know who brought them out. You come in the evening, they've been taken back. Who took them <laughs> back? You know, I mean, where are people? But when you go to the malls, you see people. Mm. But when you go to the neighborhoods, people are not outside. So even for us, it took time to just adjust mentally that idea that people are not as available as we normally were used to. Some of my favorite episodes have been talking with Tangata Fenua and trying to get a better understanding of Te Ao Māori. Here's Amy Marsden, and we were talking about Te Mapua, which is the charity that she founded. But here she is describing what her culture means to her in episode number 24. But I think more than the learning, it's just part of who I am. Like It surprises me the things that naturally I will do when you learn about it or study about it in, in, in the Māori world. It's very much a Māori viewpoint and a Māori world view, um, but it's inherent in me. So the two... The two are relating, but it's mm. like what came first, the chicken or the yeah. the egg, you know, yeah, like it's a natural alignment. It exactly, like. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just who I am and how I work, and um, but it, it it matches beautifully. So I think there's a lot to be said for just what's in you, isn't there? And mm. then recognizing that that's a cultural gift as well. Mm. But I just love I just love the way Māori think about people. People are the most important thing, um, the land and the grounding of who we are. And having a Tūranga Waiwai, a strong standing place, like a, a, a position of strength, of mm. knowing who you are and what you're about, all of that is just so valuable for us as people and, and our tamariki and, and rangatahi. All of that is, is subliminally important. Mm. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ian Harvey for episode 102. And here's an excerpt from that one. And I went to this woman's business and I said, so what are we going to look at? You know, And she said, well, half... What's it all about? And I said, what's what all about? She said, well, life. I went, what? <laughs> and she said, I'm 55. I've got to where I want to go, and it sucks. Hmm. I said, does it? She goes, yeah, I want, to, I want to look at that. I want to look at where my life's going. Wow. And I went, oh. So I actually got a proper facilitator in to help me that day. Uh, and uh, she came in and... We went to places we'd never been before, and the group never looked back, and they never, and we realised that there were two parts. There was the numbers, mm. and then there was the real stuff, which was always always my interest anyway. That's the irony. I just didn't know how to get there. Right. Which was the pastoral care and the the human being, mm. and it was this woman who I'll be eternally grateful for had the guts to put up a hand and go, mm. we need to go here, I want to go there. For episode 84, Lisa Mead shared about Social Currency, which is an initiative that she had started. But she also talked about her near-death experiences and the impact that those had had on her. The surgeon was quite serious when he said, you know, you, you shouldn't have actually... Survived this. ...been alive this morning. You wow. know, you should have actually died in the night. That's what he said. Wow. Yeah. Every obstacle now, I know that I just have to persevere and, and get through it because I've already been through that mm -hmm. and that almost took my life. Mm -hmm. um, if I hadn't have had that, 
I think I would have been very oblivious to the fact that, you know, we are all pretty, you know, susceptible to things that can just happen. Episode 114 saw us talking with Hannah McKnight about communicating your vision and defining what your purpose actually is. I think being very clear on what it is that you're ultimately trying to achieve is key. So that purpose or vision statement is key. Um, That's a question that I will ask at the very start of every potential client meeting or Mm. every conversation with a pro bono client, whoever it is. I'll be like, what's your big picture Mm -hmm. for the world? What are you trying to achieve here? What's your purpose and vision as a company? Mm. Um, And if you can't answer that question, well, we need to go back to the drawing board and work on that before we start rolling out the other communications because Mm. everything needs to be tied back to that Mm. in some way. Mm. Um, And if it's not, it's not really central to your organisation. I really enjoyed my chat with Bridget Williams for episode number 117, where she shared about the SDGs and founding Bead and Proceed. But she also talked with us about the things that she'd learned from skiing. You know, you'd be going really fast, and you'd be giving it your all, and then you'd slip on ice, or mm. you'd, you know, you'd, you'd take a tumble, or you didn't do as well as you thought. And just that lesson of, so long as you can say that you gave it everything and you did your absolute best, that's enough. Just mm. be proud of that. Mm. For episode 88, I really enjoyed hearing from Matthew Goldsworthy about his founding Youth Arts New Zealand. But also because I'd helped him set that up, it was really fun to hear about his childhood and what it was that led him down a creative path. Yeah, um, we'd, we'd had drama shows, but nothing that actually brought the arts together. Mm. And uh, I'd, I think that's such an incredibly valuable part of the arts is is actually its ability to bring people and and uh, I guess experiences together mm. and it's it's drawing from you know every background and and just formed off this basis of creativity mm. you know because creativity just is so so broad mm. you know, it, and and it's a level playing field it, mm. you know you get up on stage with a musician and a dancer and a poet or something and it's just like wow they're all incredible yeah <laughs> they're, they're all communicating through their own uh, through their own form, through yeah. their own strengths. Which their is own different mediums, right? For those of you who are listening closely to many episodes, you'll hear a name get mentioned by many other guests, and that is Erica Austin. And for episode 32, we heard from her. And the reason is that she's doing a lot of work as a Christchurch ambassador and connector of people. In episode 32, we heard her life story, including this. Maybe it's just really embracing the uncertainty and not just letting go on all all of the plans and robustness in my schedule that I that I opened up all of these opportunities. For episode 191, I now Masui Henry shared about being a Tongan immigrant to New Zealand and growing up with dual cultures. This part really spoke to me because it was describing her childhood where things were a lot different to my childhood. And I think hearing these different perspectives is a really valuable role that this podcast can play. And I remember sometimes getting bored because we, we just had bread. So mm. then what I would do <clears throat> is that in the morning I'd toast the bread and the, for lunchtime I might just eat it not toasted. And then in the afternoon I'd make shapes just to make it feel like it was different. Yeah, so it was, um, it was interesting, but my parents, they're really hardworking. So, you know, we managed and then, you know, in, in all of that, everyone, I guess, as adults, all the adults had their own thing that they were dealing with. Every individual was trying to, like, navigate and trying to 
find their place in this new society. So yeah. with that came a lot of frustrations, came a lot of, I guess, um, anger and just all that kind of heavy stuff. Episode number 30 was a conversation with Camilla Young, and I really enjoyed her perspective on purpose and what drives her. My purpose is to draw out the creative potential in people and places. And when I'm doing that, my heart is singing. Mm. And so it doesn't matter if I'm working on OHO or working on, you know, the Hillary Institute work or, or Exchange or any of my other work across um, the, the city. Mm. Um, when I'm doing that, I know I'm in the right place. Mm. Yeah, that's when I'm really showing up. So I guess finding and understanding your purpose is, is a journey in and of itself. Mm. But once you've got it, it's quite easy to measure where it is that you could be putting your energy. In episode number 44, we spoke with Michael Mayle. Now he's known for founding Cookie Time, but he also shared about a number of ventures that he initially started, which failed, and what those failures actually meant. And failure and failed companies, the best way to think about them is compost for new ideas. And without Mm. failures, you've got no compost and nothing to work with. So I'm very grateful for these two failures. They informed and treated me and, 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 um, and taught me a lot. Episode number 45 saw us speaking with Samantha Jones on Little Yellowbird and their willingness to take risks. I think one of the reasons, you know, we've gone through ups and downs and made mistakes and all of those things that a, a new business does, but we've never been afraid to try anything. We always jump at any opportunity we can. Um, and yeah, most of the time we get it right. Um, and when we get it wrong, we work really hard to, to fix any problems that we we do uncover. Episode 26 stood out as it was an interview with Dorinda Britton on design and critical thinking. Design needs to grow up and needs to move out of the, the realm of the physical. It's boundaryless. It, it really is about critical thinking. And so for the last five or six years, I've had a real struggle. Do I call this critical thinking or do I call it design? My preference would be to call it design I've been developing some critical thinking tools for an organisation recently. We're calling it critical thinking because that's the slot that it needs to fit into for young people, Mm. teaching them the skills of thinking. But it's related directly to it's the same thing as I call design, Mm. design critical thinking, Mm. asking the critical questions. Mm. I love the straight talking from Professor Julia Rutledge on diet and mental health. This was back in episode number 55. Do these micronutrients work? We've got people obviously struggling with um, mood disorders and ADHD here in my community. That's what we were studying at the time. And why don't we see whether or not these nutrients can help them? Mm. That seemed like such a, like, yeah, why not? It's a scientific question. And as scientists, we have to um, run the types of studies that... Um, answer important questions, but also if they contravene our current way of thinking, who cares? That's our we're, we're critics and conscience of society. That's what we should be doing. And so it was. What it, it was such a eye opener for me was go. You know, just naively thinking, okay, we'll run some trials, and then I just had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle for doing our research, and it continues like to this day, hmm. and it's it, it's been quite surprising because. To me, all I'm doing is answering a scientific question. Do these things work? And going back in time to episode number 19, Mark Prane shared with us the first time that he met Sir Edmund Hillary. And I remember walking into the room. um, uh, Ed was 84, 85. Right. And um, 
before I could say anything, and as your listeners are becoming aware, I can uh, I can wrap it on for quite extensively, so I'm not given to uh, uh, to not uh, speaking a lot. Um, Ed strode across the room, extended his hand to me, and said, "I've Googled you." Really, <laughs> and my heart sank um, because, as with a lot of people, if you Google me, there's quite a lot on Google about me, but. Uh, Quite what is fact and what is fiction, um, of course, is the province of Google in many ways. Anyway, um, uh, so I didn't know what to say to that. So you weren't expecting that? I certainly wasn't first, expecting uh, that. Not from an 85-year-old, no, and, and certainly yeah. not from Sir Edmund Hillary. And, uh, and basically what had happened was Deborah had given him the pitch in advance, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, using my disciplines from the business community. It was no more than two pages. <laughs> And uh, he'd read it, and uh, then again, before I could say anything at all, he said, where are we going to do this? Not, should we do this? Right. Uh, where are we going to do this? So you really got a lot of positive reaction every time you raised it. Precisely. So, um, yeah, and then again, still stumped for words, uh, he followed that up with, well, we should do it in sight of the mountain. And of course, the mountain he was referring to was Araki Cook. Mm, mm. Um, and I said, well, as it happens, Sir Eben, um the starters of this game down here uh, 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 happened to be within sight of the mountain. And so he said, well, too many bloody things happen in Auckland. Let's do it based in Christchurch. He understood right. it was international, but it needed to have a New Zealand base. Needed to have a base, yeah. For episode eight, we had the inspirational Daniel Flynn, who co-founded Thank You on the podcast. And I really enjoyed this excerpt about what he was thinking about now and looking to the future. I don't think it. thank you. We've faced our biggest battles yet. Mm. And I'm actually, we're in the middle of a tough one right now and and I can see more coming up. I don't think we've faced our biggest yet. And that scares me because we've had some really big stuff go down. But I've learned this principle that if you are willing to continue to pioneer and grow, the wins will be so much bigger. Mm. But the challenges will be so much bigger too. And so I've got to keep growing my personal ability to lead and stay strong. And if, if, if that falls apart, well, that's not a good thing. Episode 79, I actually remember going into feeling quite stressed out as it had been a really busy day. And then I spoke with Kathleen Gallagher, and it was a really chilled out session, as you can hear from this excerpt. The esoteric language, the esoteric mataranga, the, the, the old knowledge is inside the reo. And, uh, but just simple words like aroha is love, and aro is in the presence and ha of the breath. And the old wisdom is right there. Mm. Um, they're both listening, profoundly listening to the environment, their cultures of profound listening to the birds and mm. the connection observing, with nature. Yeah, mm. and observation of trees and the moon and the stars. Mm. And, you know, we can get into the zone of just this people interaction and this endless talking and mm. watching what people are doing incredibly anthropomorphic sort of and um it, it's a great mistake really mm-hmm. um yeah so this is old matauranga or old wisdoms and knowings for episode 89 we got the chance to speak with peter beck who was the dean of the christchurch cathedral at the time of the earthquakes and I really enjoyed his insights about the concept of love and, quote, thin places. Here he is explaining a little bit about what that means. 
Exactly. It's a very Celtic way of thinking, the, the thin place. And a thin place is where you could happen anywhere and you suddenly have a sense of, and it's kind of like where the whole spiritual dimension of life suddenly come close and touched you mm. just for a moment, just a glimpse. Um, and, I, you know, it, happened, it can happen in church. Uh, hopefully it happens a lot in church for some people. But it'd be happening, you know, you walk along, you know, your usual story, walking along a beach or whatever, mm. or it can happen in a conversation. It feels to me a little bit like that with you and me, mm-hmm. actually, at the moment. This mm-hmm. kind of, we're actually touching some, mm-hmm. this is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's when, when Rowan, Rowan William talks about, ah, oh, look at that. What, shh. Mm. You, you ought to just, ah, just be quiet and experience that. Um, so those are those thin places. And it, it For episode 174, we got the chance to speak with Michael Philpott, who's New Zealand's premier speaking coach. And we talked a lot about speaking in public. And he gave us some really practical tips to help prepare for public speaking. Um, back in the early days with, when I started into the speaker coaching, also I, I got asked to run something. And it was, it was around pitching for investment. And I said, okay, here we go. You're going to be given this amount of time, go away and write a script. And I got a real surprise when people came back and they literally just had bullet points. So I said, okay, cool. I didn't, you know, give it a crack, deliver your content and we'll see what happens. And what happened is they couldn't really identify a a beginning, a middle and end, uh, and they couldn't replicate it. So I said, when you said this here, just look at your notes and tell me what you said. And I was like, well, I don't know. I didn't, didn't write any notes. And there's this myth, right? That really good speakers don't write scripts and it's so wrong. Of course they do. But what happens is there's some magic happening, you know. They have delivered that talk probably 20 times in the privacy of their own home based off the script that they wrote. And they've rehearsed it, they've played with it, they've modified it, they've made changes. And by the time you get to see it live, they just don't have a script anymore. And it sounds like they're just off the cuff speaking, you know, every word that comes out of their mouth is gold. And it's like, no, it's not. They've written a script. And they've refined it, and they've rehearsed it, and then you know, then you throw the script away. For episode 189, we are speaking with Kyla Coburn on values and leadership and founding BOMA New Zealand. And I really enjoyed this excerpt from that conversation, which in a way links us back to Michelle Sharp, which is how we started this episode, because Kyla was talking about the power of vulnerability. Often we have this idea that, cur- that people are either courageous or they're not. Mm. They're either brave or they're not, and you don't know exactly what it is, but you know it when you see it, and it's something that can't really be taught. And what the research shows is that it's actually not that in any way, that courage is a collection of skill sets that are teachable, measurable, and observable, mm-hmm. that they are, um, this, these skill sets are based on empirical research, that you know, when you look at someone being courageous, you can, you can draw a straight line to the four skill sets that, that, that we teach. Mm-hmm. And the first and most important one is uh, our ability to rumble with vulnerability, our ability to get comfortable being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, the single most accurate measure of courage is our willingness to lean into vulnerability. It's probably useful to come back to the definition there because um, I know for a lot of people, we, we've got this myth that vulnerability is weakness, right? That, oh, I can't be vulnerable because then people will know that I'm weak. Um, but the actual definition of vulnerability is risk uncertainty, and emotional exposure. I want to finish off with a final excerpt from Natasha Zimmerman. Now, this was really special because she came into the interview and I asked her about her background and she said, I've written a poem about that. So I'm going to share that here because I just love the tone that it sets. And it really, in some ways, captures what I'm trying to do with Seeds, which is to reflect on where we're from and why we do what we do today. 
And I actually, as a fan of your podcast, I've heard you ask other people this question. And so I brought something to maybe broaden my answer to this question, which is a little poem that I wrote. And this is inspired by one of Brene Brown's practices where she has uh, people write a poem called I Am From or starting with that I Am phrase. So if you'd like to, I'll... Let's start a new tradition here. Okay. That's wonderful. All right. (laughs) And I think this um, encompasses a bit more of of who I really am beyond just the the geographical origin. Mm. So here we go. I am from frigid six-month winters and the abiding awe of snowfall, from harvest-time suppers in dusty fields and the clean, clean earth of mud-soaked country roads. I am from oceans away and here. I am from America, but not this one. I belong everywhere I've ever been. I am from stacks and stacks of dog-eared books, from abandoned umbrellas and the golden hour. I am from poetry and cello music, from furrowed brows and furrowed fields. I am from kisses by starlight and broken hearts by daylight. I am from knowingness and mystery. I am from the certainness of the sacred. I am from my grandpa's galoshes and gentle shoulder squeezes. I am from the strong hands of my grandmothers, made of sterner stuff than me. I am from big questions and small ones too. And I am from the loveliest of all human acts, the soft soul bow of inhabiting this moment with you. How wonderful. What a great way to start the podcast. Thank Thank you you so much. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Well, I really do hope you enjoyed those excerpts from some of the interviews in the back catalog. Obviously, there were dozens and dozens to choose from, and I could have been here all weekend long recording more and adding them in, because I think every single interview has had something of value. And I just encourage you, if you enjoyed this, go back and have a listen to some of the people that have been featured here, but there's also many, many more that I know that you would enjoy. Again, thank you so much for being part of the Seeds podcast journey. You as the listeners are the reason that I'm doing this, and it wouldn't exist without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The fact that I know that many of you are out there telling other people about the podcast and listening to the back catalog gives me the incentive to continue trying to capture more stories so we can build up an amazing database of interviews with people who are inspiring and doing some really cool stuff in our world. Until next time. <laughs>